Today I'm preaching on godly response to redemption. Everybody say tithing. Come on, say tithing. A godly response to redemption. Now, there are two kinds of tithers or two groups of people when it comes to tithing. Um, one of the one group of people are the people who tithe with the aim of attempting to influence God to do something for them. So they tithe because if they tithe, God will open the windows of heaven for them. There will be meat in God's house. God will rebuke the devourer for their sake. And then all nations will call them blessed because they are a delightsome land. So they are tithing so that God would do something for them. Now, this is where some people say, if tithing is supposed to influence God to bless him, if tithing is the one that is supposed to influence God to rebuke the devourer for my sake, then somebody's putting me under bondage because it means if I don't do anything, then God will not do anything. So, the finished work of Jesus, when Jesus said it is finished, what is the benefit of that? So they believe that you don't have to do anything to influence God to bless your life. You don't have to do anything to influence God to heal you. You don't have to do anything to influence God to anoint you. You don't have to do anything to influence God to protect you. Um, of course, you and I know that that is not true. Because if you go by that, then you are also saying then you don't have to pray for God to answer your prayer because Jesus has done everything already. And you are also saying you don't have to live a holy life for God to touch you because Jesus Christ has done everything already. And then you don't have to bind the devil or bind demons because Jesus has conquered them already. But if you want demons, don't bind them and see what happens. So the, the first group are the people who say if you tithe, then God, just like we read in Malachi last Sunday, when we, he said, bring the tithe and the offering and prove me now, hear with and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. So God is saying, if you bring the tithes and the offerings, it makes me do this. So, some people give the tithe with the aim of influencing God to do something. There is a certain second group of people who give the tithe in response to something God has done already. I belong to the second group. In fact, I have never tithe because I'm tithing for God to do something. I don't tithe because I want God to open the windows of heaven. Because by the grace of God, the windows of heaven over my life are open already. I don't tithe for God to rebuke the devourer for my sake. Because the devourer is already under my feet. The day Jesus defeated the devil and said it is finished, Satan was positioned under my feet. So my tithe is not what will let the devil come under my feet. I don't tithe. You know, I, I have spiritual authority in the word of God and the fact that I'm a child of God, when I bind the devil, he has to be bound. So, 
my tithe or some hundred Ghana cities I bring to God will not add impetus to my spiritual power. So I don't tithe because I want God to do something. Because in my case, I am not living in the future of what God would do. I'm living in the presence of what God has done already. So when I give tithe, I'm giving tithe in response to the redemption God has given to me. That God has done a lot already. So now what happens is that because he has done already, he has done things already and I'm giving out of a heart of gratitude, God even does more. So for me, giving tithe, I'm not saying it would influence God, but it is a bonus. That is not my intention. My intention is this, that for people like me, even if I give my tithe and God doesn't give me anything, God doesn't give me even money. He has done more than enough already. Some of us, we owe him salvation, we owe him deliverance, we owe him healing, we owe God many things he has done already. We can't pay him back. So, when I take a tithe and I'm giving to God or I'm giving an offering to God, I'm doing it in response to redemption, in response to something God has done already. That God has already done a lot and this is my little way of saying thank you to him. That I can take my tithe and I can give it and I can take my offerings and I can give. But both sides of the equations are true. That you give tithe and the tithe does not compel God to respond. But God himself has positioned himself that if you give the tithe, it will influence me. If you pray, it will influence me. If you are holy, it will influence me. For example, if you believe, okay, tithing should not move God. How can you then believe that when you are fasting and you are hungry, your hunger moves God? That is why some people don't fast. Because they say, you know what? Jesus has finished everything already. So, me being hungry... How does it affect demons and principalities and powers? But God says, no, I sacrifice my life on the cross. That is what Jesus is saying. I sacrifice my life on the cross, not as an exemption, but as an example. That the same way in which I sacrifice my life on the cross, you too sacrifice your stomach. Now you want to depend on somebody's sacrifice of his life to be saved. And your stomach... To save the rest of the nation through prayer. You don't want to do that. So, two ways. Number one, tithing because it influences God. Um, I told you personally, I don't do it because I want to influence God. But the truth is that it influences him. God himself has allowed tithe to influence him. That is why I said, Cornelius, your prayers and your arms giving have come to me for a memorial. So, the prayers and the alms giving affected God and influenced God to visit Cornelius' house with salvation. So, every month when you are tithing, God is doing something in your life. Principalities are rebuked. Powers of darkness are rebuked. God is opening the windows of heaven and pouring you out a blessing. By the grace of God, I have preached in many, many churches. I have preached in many churches. And the churches I see the open heaven over are the giving churches. Churches that don't give, the atmosphere is very dry. When you go there, you realize they don't give. Even the benches 
are crying for mercy. When you enter this building, you don't have to be told that this is a giving church. The atmosphere is free. The atmosphere is relaxed. I mean, I have brought pastors here and when they finish preaching, they say, hey, the way you people give, this is Bogatanga. And the way your people give, the way they rush on offerings, and you see my head swell, swelling like that. But, but the truth is that on the average, we are a giving church. And when you come to Bogatanga in particular, we are so much of a giving church that people even think we are crazy. But I tell you people, giving opens the windows of heaven. I preach in many, many churches. Look, there is a church I ran away from preaching in. And that's because anytime I go to preach there, it was as if a rope had been tied to my neck. You see the way they tie the, the neck of a dog and hang it. The way they tie the neck of a donkey, sorry, of a dog and climb the gospel and lift it up. Hey! They lift it up and the dog will be kicking the leg and die. When I'm preaching in that church, I feel like somebody's hanging me. My neck, my throat, the words are not coming. I'm feeling dizzy. I'm feeling tired. I'm praying for the meeting to end and I'll run away. So last week, mommy and I were in a place and there was a prophet bishop there. And he too has been preaching in that church. So I asked him, whenever you go to this church, how is the atmosphere? He said, it's dry. I said, do you feel some resistance? He said, ah. I said, I thought I was the only one. He said, he feels the same thing. Now, in that church, I got to hear later on that during Sunday school, there are elders in that church who go around the various groups like maybe the way we do personal development emphasis. Some are sitting here, some are sitting there, some are sitting there, some are... Elders in the church, deacons, they share themselves among the groups. And when they lift up their hand, you think they are going to make a contribution. They will get up and start preaching against tithing. Their pastor believes in tithing, but the deacons don't. It was there I realized why the atmosphere attempts to choke preachers. So when I realized I, w I was about to be choked after visit one, visit two, I said they call me again, I said I beg you they call me again, I said I beg you for some time now they don't call me again but I'm telling you, churches where the people don't give God doesn't open the windows of heaven those are the churches you say the power of God is about to fall and you yourself would be about to fall. And that's because the power of God doesn't fall in those churches. I mean, the, the, the anointing doesn't move. You are preaching the word of God, it doesn't move. He said, bring the tithe and I will, what? That there will be meat in my house. Now, if the people are not givers, how do you even get a good sound system before you can preach? So when you are holding the microphone, you can tell that this microphone is not a microphone. This one is a, a, a this one is a xylophone in, in the form of a stick. The sound doesn't go. You see the microphone I'm holding? That is part of your tithe and your offering. That is why you hear the sound, and the sound is nice. There is another microphone I could have picked up here 
And when I start preaching, you hear Jesus went to Nazareth. What did I just say? Somebody shot. You don't hear that in churches. And when I started preaching, there was one thing I decided. I would never die in somebody's church. I said, look, I will die one day, but not in somebody's pulpit. So when I come to your pulpit and the atmosphere is not good, I gauge where I can flow with you for two hours. When I escape, I do sign of the cross and I tell myself, this place, Mba, I will not die on another man's farm. Am I talking to somebody at all? Listen, ask for the windows of heaven. Meet in the house. Word of God and stuff like that. It is your giving, your offering, your tithe, your praise and worship. When the preacher is preaching, your shout, all that will contribute, all that will contribute to the impact. I believe in it, that when you tithe, it influences God. But I personally, I owe God so much that I don't do it because of that. You see, when you owe, you cannot now use money to influence. Do you understand? For example, if I owe Pastor Sunday 300 Ghana cities, can I use 50 and influence him? I remember one day, one day I had a friend. The guy came to us and asked for money to do business. And the money he collected was quite plenty, plenty money to do business. And he didn't pay. I was there when he told me, Daddy, I want to come and see you. And I thought he was coming to pay his debt. He rather came and brought 500 Ghana. And said, Daddy, I have come to honor you so that you pray for me. And I'm saying, ah, you, you owe me. You have no paid. Now you are making it look like you are coming to give an offering so that I will bless you. In my case, that is the way it is. God saved me, I owe him. God healed me, I owe him. God delivered me, I owe him. God chose me when I didn't deserve it and I owe him. So how can I now say I'm giving him tithe and offering to influence him to do something for me? I am so indebted that I cannot even dream that when I give an offering or tithe to God, I've given him something. I believe that even if I took all my salary and gave it to God, God will look at me and say, Eastwood, you are still owing. It can't pay. But there are some of you, you owe him nothing. Even your breath, the air you breathe, you manufactured it. Oh, I know you. I mean, you are a genius. You manufactured your air you breathe. Whenever you are walking, it's your own strength. When you are eating, it's your own digestive juices which you created in a laboratory. Hydrochloric acid and put it in your system. And then the saliva and the tiling, you created it yourself. And your tongue, the other day I was told, you created your own tongue and created your own teeth. 
for masticating the food and digesting the food. I was even told that your intestines, you went to a magazine and you created it on your own. Somebody also informed me that even when you go to the restroom to move your bowels, you yourself created a muscular movement. So because of how creative you are and you are equal to a creator and everything you have, it is you that made it. You don't owe God anything. So if you give him an offering, you are doing him a favor. If you give him tithe, you are doing him a favor. That is why I permit you to be that arrogant in not giving. And I also salute you and congratulate you that you are so smart. You even think with your own brain because your brain, you put it there. So you, you got up in the morning and then you took some cotton wool, mixed it with other things, and then you formed it into a brain, hit your head open, and then sandwiched it, planted it in your head. So you think with your own brain, you created, you are a blessing. Oh, look at your wife, you created here yourself. But when I look at my wife, and then my wife is a gift, and I, I look at my friends, I look at Mr. Dra, and he's a gift. I look at Mama Comfort, and, and, and I call her Mama, and I lost my own mother, but I have a mother here. And then I'm, I'm so grateful, I'm so privileged, I'm so honored. The other day I went to preach at um, Church of God in Kumasi, Patasi. They saw Mama Comfort, they said, oh, we, we just met your mama. And I said, praise the Lord, I mean, that's my mama. That's my mama. That, that nice woman is my mama. It's a blessing. But some of you, oh boy, God has given you nothing. He's done nothing for you. So you, 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 you give with pain. And you give with grudge. But my Bible said, God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful in the sense that you count all your blessings. You name them one by one. You tell yourself, you know what? If it was not for God who was on my side, and if God did not do this, and God did not do that, I would not be where I am right now. Some of the things you've gone through, and you survived them all, and one thing hit you, and you got up, another thing hit you. Yesterday, I was talking to my brother Prosper, my little brother Prosper, in a crowd. He told me, say, hey, daddy, that means God has delivered you a lot. He said, hey, as for the things I go through, and I'm still standing. If it is people like him, they, it will just carry him away. You understand what I'm saying? But how many of you have been through something before? You've gone through crisis. You don't know how you survive. I don't know how you survived it. That is why when you come to God and you are giving him tithe and offering and things like that, you are doing it in response to redemption and not to influence him to do something. Influencing him to do something it's good, but the better motivation for giving is when you are doing it in response to, to, um, to redemption. Now you look in the Bible, I read the scriptures, and for me, Old Testament or New Testament, I don't care. Bible is Bible. Everybody say Bible is Bible. Now, if there is something which is in the Old Testament, but the New Testament annuls it, the New Testament will tell you that this particular thing is annulled. But you cannot give me one verse in the Bible that shows that in the New Testament, God annulled tithe. And next week, Tuesday, I'll be talking about 
some of the statements Jesus Christ made about tithe. I'll give you a few statements that Jesus made about tithe. And I read Pauline epistles. And I don't see Paul say that we shouldn't tithe. But when I now go to the Old Testament, I see this thing about tithe. And I'm like, if God is this serious with it, then whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, I better take this thing serious. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. My problem with you is this. Whenever you read in your Bible and the Bible says this, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. How many of you believe in that? That the world is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof. If you believe it, lift up your hand and wave. You believe that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But that thing, is it written in the Old Testament or New Testament? Old Testament. But if you believe it, wave your hand. So the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This one also says, and all the tithe of the land, whether it is the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So the tithe is holy. The tithe is holy. In fact, one of the happiest moments in my life is when I'm preparing an offering on Saturday or on Monday night or Tuesday afternoon or Saturday night to come to church. We, in our house, we don't prepare our offering on Sunday morning. No, no, no. We do it on the Saturday before we sleep. And if it is tight, you see mommy and she's very busy filling the forms. And then I do the physical counting of the money. I'm the cashier of the house. So I would do the counting, especially when I'm there. And then mommy would normally do the checks. And when we are doing it, we are so happy. We are so happy. Tomorrow we are going to church. The, the zeal with which I iron my clothing is the same zeal with which I prepare the offering. In fact, I never walk into a service. And when I walk into the service, I'm waiting for the preacher to say something. Then I start scratching my head about what to give. No, before I get to church, I've already determined to honor God. Today I was preparing my offering for this evening and I, I took the amount I was going to give. And then when I counted it and put it in the envelope, I saw another money, um, 50 Ghana cities, was sitting on the bed. And I said, hey, this money, I can't put it in my wallet. I took it and I opened the envelope for the offering and I added it to it. I was even afraid to take that money and put it in my pocket. I'm sure if the Bible had not written that it is because Ananias didn't bring all the money. That is why he died in the church. I'm sure you and I, in the days of Ananias, if they had told his relatives, because your father or your uncle did not take all the money and kept some of it, that is why Peter spoke and he died and spoke and your mother died. I'm sure the children will say, no, it's not true. Just not giving God money cannot kill. But brother, it can be punishable by capital punishment. We've seen it in the Bible many times. So he said, the tithe is holy unto the Lord. Something that is holy unto the Lord belongs to God. Keep going. Verse 31. 
if a man will at all redeem out of his tithe, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. Hey, that means if you make a mistake and spend the tithe this month, and you are bringing it next month, you have to add twenty percent. Hey, before savings and loan and credit union came into this world, God was practicing it in the Old Testament. God is a banker. He said the money is holy. So if you keep it, like maybe we say Thursday, 2nd September, you have received your salary. You refuse to bring the tithe. Then after two weeks, you got up and carried the tithe and you are bringing it. You have delayed it by two weeks, so God is charging interest. Everybody say, God charges interest. Because it is holy unto the Lord, so by holding on to it, you have borrowed his money. And if you make mistake and use it for school fees, that is when, when the child's results come. D, E, F. And you don't know what happened. You stole God's money to pay school fees. So your child is sitting in the class. They say two plus two. He says, sir, sir, sir. Two plus two. He says, sir. They say, hey, Michael. He gets and says, two plus two. Twenty. 